And welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA here on Spotify and some of the other platforms we broadcast on here at Sunshine USA. This is me, Warren Landis. I'm your host and Bible teacher this morning on Sunshine USA. And as usual, it is a great joy to have you with us. Now, I, I say this morning because that's when I record uh, these programs. I do it usually in the morning because that's when I feel the best and that's usually when my voice and my throat are the strongest. Uh, but you can listen to these broadcasts anytime. It might be the afternoon, it might be the evening, it might be late at night when you go to bed. You listen whenever it's best and most convenient for you. Amen? <laughs> Amen. Well, now, today we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. Now, as I've told you before, we got a lot of neat stuff here in Romans, a lot of deep stuff. And uh, hopefully you don't read and study Romans until you're ready for some deep spiritual food. And that's especially true here in Romans chapter 12. Uh, some of you that know your Bibles, you know that Romans chapter 12 is a powerful chapter. It's got some very important stuff to share with us here. We see in Romans chapter 12 verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren... Now this, by the way, lets us know here that he's talking to those who are Christians. What Paul is about to say really doesn't apply to you here unless you are a Christian. So he's talking to a Christian audience. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now here Paul talks about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice, which he says is your reasonable service. Now, most of you know that I preach and teach from the King James Version. Uh, I think it's fair to say that the King James Version has stood the test of time. I consider it, even to this day, the most accurate version of the Bible. But there are some versions of the Bible which at the end of this verse come up with a somewhat better translation where the King James Version says, which is your reasonable service. Other versions of the Bible say, which is your spiritual worship. Now, think about it this way. <laughs> you present sacrifices as an act of worship. And part of our worship today for us as New Testament Christians, Christian Gentiles, is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. Back in the Old Testament, they presented dead animals as sacrifices. But God, as Christians today, wants us to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. I saw a poster one time when I was in college. It was so neat. I wish I'd bought me one at the time. I don't know if they still make the poster today or not. But it had a picture of an offering plate being passed in the church service. And it said something like this. Why do I just put money in the offering plate, Lord, when, Lord, it's really me that you want in the offering plate? Presenting our bodies as an offering to God. A living sacrifice. Now, let me ask you this. Let me throw this out for discussion. Now, by the way, I have a good friend of mine. He's my small group Bible teacher at the church I go to here in Greenville, South Carolina. One of the things he loves to do as part of his teaching ministry, he loves to throw things out there for class discussion. Well, if you and I were meeting in a physical classroom today, one of the things I would do is ask you this question. Um, how do we present our bodies as a living sacrifice? What does it mean to present our bodies as a living sacrifice? I might ask you, how do you present your body as a living sacrifice? Well, 
Obviously, a living sacrifice could be anything that you do for God. And by the way, I think all of us as Christians ought to do something for God and his church. I, I honestly believe that. And I know some people that when it comes to doing things for their church, for example, they go the second and third mile. They never cease doing stuff for their church. Uh, a lot of pastors tell me that whenever they want something done in the church, there are certain people that they know are always going to volunteer to help out in any way that they can, and that's a great thing. One of the things that the church I go to here in Greenville, South Carolina does is every year we have this big Thanksgiving dinner. And we make it available for free to everybody in the public, everybody in the community. It's totally free. You don't have to pay a thing. You come ready to eat. And by the way, you don't have to be a member of the church to take part in this. You don't even have to attend our church to take part in this. It's a free meal that we offer to everybody, no strings attached. But now, as you can understand, it takes a lot of volunteers to make that happen. And we have a lot of people in our church that every year, long about this time, they start volunteering their time and their efforts for this particular meal. Now, my understanding is they're going to be working at the church all day next Tuesday and Wednesday, preparing for the big feast on Thursday. And th this is not one of those projects that the church could do with just a handful of people volunteering. It takes the efforts and the volunteering of many, many church members to do this, to pull it off. And to whatever extent they have food left over, they deliver these meals to the homes of shut-ins and other people that can use a good Thanksgiving dinner. You see, this is part of what it means to make our bodies a living sacrifice. Rolling up our sleeves and doing in our church what we can do. I, I enjoy doing this ministry that I do. I come to this radio microphone most every day to record a new broadcast, teaching God's people the Word of God. Now, by the way, it's interesting. When I started this ministry back in 2012, um, I had a tendency to call this Internet radio, for lack of a better title to put to it. I, I didn't know it, but back then I became one of the very first podcasters in this country. I, I don't say that I was the very first podcaster, but one of the first podcasters to go on the air in this country. I'm told that today there's over 800,000 podcasts that are on the internet. The interesting thing, though, only about 10% of these broadcasts or podcasts are actually active. Now, a podcast is not considered active unless they produce at least 10 brand new episodes every year. Um, we do a lot more than that just in one month here at Sunshine USA. And by the way, I do these podcasts on at least two different platforms. One platform is Blog Talk Radio and the other platform is Spotify. And we have some other lesser known platforms that also carry this podcast. I mean, I didn't know it then, but podcasting was taking off. I was in that first group of podcasters. Today, podcasting is often referred to as the new radio. You know, you, you've got young people today. They don't know what a radio station is. <laughs> you know, back in my day, we used to listen to the radio, and we would uh, have a radio-cassette recorder combination, and we would record off the radio our favorite songs. 
That's what you did back in the day when you couldn't afford to go to the music store very often. <laughs> Amen. But we got young people today, they have no idea what a radio station is. They listen to their music on the radio. They listen to their music online. And podcasting today is often considered the new radio. And by golly, I'm very proud. I'm very happy to be part of that. But this is not just any podcast. This is a podcast dedicated to the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the Word of God. Amen. (laughs) Amen. Okay, now let's go on to verse number 2. It says, And be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove that which is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The big thing here is, be not conformed to this world, but rather be ye transformed. Now this is in verse 2. Now, I've heard all my life, and I'm sure you have too, that as Christians we're not to be conformed to the ways of the world. But once again, if this were a physical classroom, I would probably throw out the question, what does it mean to be conformed to the ways of this world? And I would probably add that to some extent we have to do worldly things because we have a family to feed. We have bills that we have to pay. And that means most people have to go to a job. A job that is probably owned by someone that's not in church. Someone who may not be a Christian. So we have to get up and go to work every day just like unbelievers do. In the world. We go to the grocery store. Well that can be a worldly thing. To buy groceries. Or we go to the drugstore. To buy the medications that we need. What does it mean. To be not conformed. To the ways of this world. Well, I believe what it means is we're not to be conformed to the values of this world. You see, there's a lot of things, for example, that the world says is okay, but we know as Christians it's not okay. Not okay with God anyway. You know, the world might um, do a lot of cussing and tell dirty jokes and dirty stories. But that's not part of our value system as Christians. We should stay away from that kind of thing. And by the way, we should stay away from people that do that kind of thing. People judge us by the people we hang around with. That's true. So we're not to be conformed to the value system of this world. And how do we become not conformed to the ways of this world? We... Allow Christ to transform us, to transform our whole way of thinking. Things that you thought were okay as a non-Christian, now that you're a Christian, you don't see them as okay. It might be that before you found Christ as your Savior, you were a drunkard, getting drunk all the time, getting put in jail all the time. But your life becomes different once you become a Christian. I believe it means you don't cuss anymore. You don't drink anymore. You clean up your act. Now, you don't do that to be saved because the Bible makes it very clear we're saved by grace through faith. But I think once you are saved and because you're saved, you want to live a clean life. You want to live a life that brings glory to God. And we do that by allowing ourselves to become transformed. Transformed. Now we come to verses 3 through 8. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Now these verses deal with spiritual gifts. Once we have become a Christian, once 
we allow Christ to transform us, we want to discover what our spiritual gifts are. Now, let me say this in general. I know that all of us as Christians have at least one gift. I have never seen a Christian that didn't have at least one gift. Now, there are some Christians, the one gift that they have keeps them so busy, that's the only gift they have because they just don't have time for anything else. Other Christians might have two or three gifts. A few Christians might have several gifts. Now, by the way, a spiritual gift is not for your benefit. It is not for your benefit. It is for the benefit of the church. So one of the things you need to do as a Christian, you need to become a member of a God-fearing church. And then you ask yourself, what gifts do I have? And how can I use these gifts for the benefit of my church? For example, you might have the gift of teaching. Now, I happen to know that one of the gifts I have is a gift of teaching. And that's one of the things I just love to do on this uh, radio program. I love to teach the Word of God. And I try to do it as much as I can. Now, some days I might get on the radio for 30 minutes and it takes every ounce of energy I have. I, I get off the air after 30 minutes and I feel exhausted. Because I have poured so much of me into that 30 minutes of teaching the Word of God. Now, in my case, I also believe I have the gift of prophecy. That is, the gift of foretelling the gospel. And that's also one of the things that I love to do for the Lord <clears throat> here on this radio program. I love to preach the gospel. But I think that all of us as Christians have at least one gift. Now, by the way, there are several websites you can go to <clears throat> that will give you a test so that you can discover what your gift or gifts are. Now, by the way, if you shoot me an email, I will share some of these websites with you. I'm not going to take time to name them all uh, on this program today. There are several websites out there. Uh, I remember, for example, when I was in seminary, we were required to take a spiritual gifts test so that we could discover what it was that God wanted us to do or what it was that God had most equipped us to do. Now, by the way, these spiritual gift tests are not always completely accurate. For example, um, you may have a situation where God is leading you to do something and according to the spiritual test, you're not really gifted to do this. Now my answer to that is you do whatever the Lord tells you to do. Because I don't think God is going to lead you to do something that you're not gifted to do, that you're not equipped to do. And like I say, the purpose of spiritual gifts here is not for your benefit. For example, like I say, God's given me the gift of teaching. Now, God didn't give me the gift of teaching so that I could brag what a great Bible teacher I am. I happen to know that there are many people that could do a far better job of teaching than I can. But yet, God has given me the gift of teaching, which I exercise on this program. And I love to teach. I love to take the information that God has given me and pass it on to others. I love to do that. But now God has given people different gifts. We know, for example, that God has given some the gift of administration. I love a message one time that Charles Stanley preached about the spiritual gifts. And he talked about how the spiritual gifts are needed on the various committees of the church. For example, if your church has a benevolent committee, that was the example he used. You need someone on the benevolent committee who has the gift of administration. 
In other words, they're able to take the resources that are available and use it so that they help the maximum number of people. But you also need people on the committee that have the gift of discernment so that they can help decide who actually needs the help and who really doesn't need the help. So that you don't waste your time and resources on people that really don't need your help. They just need to get a job and go to work. Amen. You need people on the committee that have the gift of helps. They're willing to roll up their sleeves and do whatever it is to be done. Now, I remember one of the churches that I used to be a member of, I was the church custodian. A lot of people in the church didn't know that. In fact, I got a small stipend each week for doing it. I, I got paid about $50 a week to be church custodian. And basically, I, I put in about a four-hour day, two, two days a week. Usually, I did this on Wednesday morning so that when people came to church Wednesday night, they had a clean place to come to. And then I would go to church every Saturday for about four hours and make sure that on Sunday morning people had a clean building to come to. Now, of course, I also did other things. I usually had the responsibility of locking up the church every Sunday after the services were over with, and uh, I had the responsibility of unlocking the church on Sunday morning when I got there. I mean, it was a lot of work to do for $50 a week. And like I say, most of the people who were members of the church at that time, they had no idea I was doing it. That is what you call the gift of helps. Doing what needs to be done, not for fanfare, not for people to say, wow, what a great job he's doing. <laughs> In my case, most people didn't know I was the one doing it. When they went to the bathroom, they had a clean toilet to sit on because I cleaned it. I mopped the floors. I swept the floors. And by the way, it was almost embarrassing, the garbage that I had to clean up at the church every week. Coke bottles, water bottles, candy bar wrappers, even cigarette butts. Think about it. The cigarette butts. I mean, why do cigarettes belong in the church? It shouldn't be in the church property. But I did all of that as part of the Holy Spirit gift of helps. That is one of at least three gifts that I know that I have. Now, like I say, I believe every Christian has at least one gift. You might be like me and you have three gifts. I knew one Christian one time, I honestly believe they had every gift there was. I remember when I worked in Christian radio in New Orleans, the Christian radio station that I worked for at the time, I worked for two different Christian radio stations in New Orleans. But this one guy, he was the guy that was responsible for training me and he was what they called at the time program director. It was his job to hire the announcers. And of course, the tough part about that job was the fact he had to tell them, look, this is a volunteer position. I never got paid a single penny for the work I did at that radio station. In some weeks, I worked 40 hours a week. Some weeks I worked 80 hours a week. I almost always worked more than 12 hours a week. Never got paid a dime for it. I didn't do it for glory. We only had about 250 watts at the time, so there wasn't a lot of glory in it. No money in it. Why did I do it? I did it for God, and I did it because of my desire to reach people for Christ by way of radio. 
And the two Christian radio stations that I worked for in New Orleans, which, by the way, were WBSN-FM, now known as Life Songs Radio. And then I also worked for Sunshine 800 WSHO Radio. Now, one of the things God did for me working at those two radio stations, he helped me to see that media was part of the ministry that God had called me into. I don't think I would have a desire to do what I do today had I not been in college and seminary exposed to media. Back in college, I was editor of the school newspaper. And all of this worked together to give me a love for media. Using media to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, the gifts of the Spirit which the Lord has given you equips you to do your part to reach a lost and dying world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, let's read on. Now, by the way, there's a lot I could say about the gifts of the Spirit. And by the way, Romans chapter 12 is by no means the only chapter that deals with the different gifts of the Spirit. And I know that on future broadcasts, I'll be having a lot more to say about the gifts of the Spirit. But let's move on to verse number 9. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kind, affectionate one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. That's verses 9 and 10. It says we are to have kind affection one to another. With brotherly love. Thinking more highly of others than we do ourselves. Now I tell you, I've been in some churches that had some of the meanest people I ever saw. I think some of the biggest crooks I've ever known happened to be members of some church somewhere. But that's not the kind of people that ought to be in the church. The Bible says we are to be kind and affectionate. We are to be helpful to each other. We are to help build each other up. And lift each other up, thinking more highly of others than we do ourselves. Now, some people want to go to church and they want to toot their own horn. Well, as far as I'm concerned, I don't have a horn to toot. I have asthma and COPD. I don't have the breath it takes to toot a horn. But I'm not in church to draw attention to myself. I'm in church because I love God and because I love his people. I remember a few years ago I was in a rehabilitation center. I was recovering from heart surgery and I was not able to go to church at all. And the only way I got in on what the churches were doing was to watch it on the internet. Now I thank God that more and more churches today are live streaming their services. I think this is great. I think it's an especially great ministry to the shut-ins, those people who have no way of coming to church anymore on their own. But I will also say this, I learned from my own personal experience that watching a service online is not a substitute for being there in person. Those of you who are football fans, for example, or your baseball fans, you know that there's a big difference between watching a ball game on TV and being there in person. When I go to church, I look forward to having fellowship with the people of God. I can truly say some of the dearest friends that I have are members of the church that I go to. 
which I think is a very fine church. And I believe every Christian, if at all possible, ought to be a member of a local church. I think you're going to find being Christian especially hard if you are not currently a member of a good local New Testament church. I thank God for the pastor that I have. A man who loves God. A man who faithfully teaches the Word of God. And by the way, I've seen him do things that needed to be done and there was nobody else to do it. So guess what? He rolled up his sleeves and he did it. He'd probably do everything if, it, if he had to. But thank God we have a church where people see the need and they jump right in there and they do what needs to be done. Amen. Praise the Lord. It says in verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent, uh, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. It says here, not slothful in business. Now let me say something about that. There is no place for laziness in the life of a Christian. If God is giving you a good job and a good company to work for, don't be lazy. Don't be slothful. You roll up your sleeves and you get to work. You make sure that you earn the paycheck that God is giving you each week through that company. Don't be lazy. Work is one of the best four-letter words that ever came out. We need to fall in love with work. Amen. We need to be fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. And that means not just on Sunday when it's easy to do that, but it means Monday through Friday when you're at work and even on Saturday when you go to the shopping mall or the grocery store. Fervent in spirit. Verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Notice it says here rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. It's not easy to be a Christian. Now I think some of us were sold a bill of goods when we got saved. Some of you can remember that when you got saved, people told you, man, you get saved, all your problems go away, you're never going to have another problem the rest of your life. That is a lie out of the pits of hell. It's not easy to be a Christian. In fact, it's tough to be a Christian. In fact, as a Christian, you're probably going to have so many more problems than people who are not Christians. It's tough. But the Bible tells us we need to rejoice in tribulation because we know that God is going to use that tribulation to develop us into stronger and stronger Christians. I love a song that Andre Crouch used to sing in his lifetime. I think he also wrote the song, by the way. It's a song called Through It All. And the gist of the song was this, if I never had a problem... How would I ever know that God could solve them? How would I ever know what faith in God could do? Through it all. You see, it's through the fire and tribulation that we go through that God molds us into the strong Christians he wants us to be. He wants us to be men and women that are totally sold out for him. It says here, continuing instant in prayer. One of the things I love to do in this program is to encourage people to share their prayer requests. And I always tell them, if you give me permission, I'll be glad to share your prayer request with our radio audience. And as I tell them, um, I don't know about you, but 
To me, it's comforting knowing that Christians all over America and Christians on every continent around this world, they're praying for the needs that you have. One of the radio networks that I thank God for is Kalov, Kalov Radio. Uh, those of you that do a lot of traveling, you know about Kalov Radio because Kalov has something like a thousand radio stations all across America. These are contemporary Christian music radio stations. And they also have the Kalov app, which I recommend that all of you get for your telephones. You can turn on this Kalov app and you can literally listen to Kalov from anywhere on the planet. And at Caleb, they also have a worldwide prayer ministry. You could share your prayer requests with Caleb, and they in turn will pray for you. In fact, they will notify you by a text message anytime and every time the staff at Caleb is praying for you. They will also notify you when one of the listeners is praying for you. Now, how they do that, I don't know, but I think it's a great thing. Okay, let's move on. It says, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality. We as Christians need to be among the most compassionate people in all the world. We need to be among the most hospitable people in the world. There is probably a greater need for benevolent ministry today than ever before. And I'm afraid that too many Christians have a very rotten attitude when it comes to helping others. For example, let me ask you this. Let me throw this out there for discussion. When you see a homeless man or woman in the middle of the highway, they're holding up a cardboard sign that says, we'll work for food. What, what goes through your mind? I tell you what many Christians are thinking about. Many Christians are thinking, why doesn't that person just haul off and get a job? Or we think, I bet that person is the biggest drug addict you ever saw. Or I bet they're the biggest wino or alcoholic you ever saw. I'm not going to help that person. They're probably getting more money and contributions than I get working at my job. I'm not going to help them. Now let me ask you this question. Is that what Jesus would do? No. I think Jesus would stop his car. He would get out. He would talk to that person and give them whatever help they needed. I think that's what Jesus would do. I honestly believe that. Some people would say, well, I'm not going to give a homeless man any money. <laughs> Well, what I tell you to do is this. You do whatever God tells you to do. Now, you're probably thinking, well, if you give that person a dollar, they're just going to go and put that with other dollars they got, and they're going to go out and buy beer. Well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. I don't know. God wants me to faithfully do that which he has told me to do. What they do with it is their problem. They will have to face God one day for what they do with what you give them. But if God says give them a dollar, or if God says give them twenty dollars, by golly, you better do it. No questions asked. One time I gave a man who was homeless twenty dollars. I was sharing that with somebody and they said, Boy, Warren, you were stupid to do it. No, I wasn't. I did what God told me to do. They said, Well, Warren, you don't understand. That person is probably going to um, go out to the liquor store and buy booze and get drunk and maybe get killed. I said, you know what they do with the money I give? It's between them and God. But it's between me and God that I do what God has told me to do. I think that is so important. Okay, now let's go on. It says, bless them which persecute you, Bless and curse not. Bless them that persecute you. 
That sounds like something Jesus would say, doesn't it? When someone persecutes you, when they tell all kinds of lies about you, it's very easy to say, well, boy, I'm going to get even with them. Is that the biblical thing to do? Absolutely not. When people persecute us, we need to pray for them. We need to forgive them. <laughs> I love to share this story about a time when I was a teenager. I'd only been saved for a few weeks, a very short time. I was riding my bike to the store, get a few groceries for my mom and dad, and, and me, frankly. But I was riding my bike to the store, and one of the guys I go to school with, he, he stopped me on the bicycle. He got directly in front of me. And I wasn't about to run over him, so he stopped me. I got off the bicycle, and guess what? He belted me across the face, and I fell down to the ground. I didn't like that very much. In fact, it hurt, to be honest with you. But I picked myself up. And you know what I did? And I'll tell you what I wanted to do. There was that part of me that wanted to beat the crap out of him. <laughs> And that's probably what most of you would have done. But that's not what I did. I turned my head. I showed him the other side of my face. And he took his fist and he blasted me one. Once again, I fell down to the ground. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, Lord... I think I'm lacking something in interpretation here. I got up. And I know what you're thinking. You're saying, this is where you blasted everyone. No. I simply said, you know what I'm going to do, young man? I'm going to pray you don't get another night's sleep till you get saved. I ran into him at school the next day. We were in gym class and he came up to me and he started shaking his fist at me. I thought he was going to put me out right then and there, but he didn't. But he said, Warren, I want you to know, if I don't get any sleep tonight, I'm going to put you to sleep permanently tomorrow. <clears throat> well, I was very fearful to go to school the next day. I was asking the Lord to give me the flu so I wouldn't have to go to school the next day. But you know what? The Lord didn't give me the flu, so I had to go to school the next day. We got to gym class, and that guy was sound asleep on the bleachers. I told the coach, let's do something quiet in gym today. I don't want to wake that guy up. Well, I found out later, that night, or I should say the night before, that man went to a tent revival, and guess what? He got gloriously saved. And I think that resulted in two of us getting saved. He got saved spiritually and I got saved physically. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Boy, this is good stuff here. He says, rejoice with them that rejoice, weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things, but can condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. It says here, rejoice with them that rejoice. Weep with them that weep. That, that is what we as Christians should do for each other. Someone in your church might say, well, Man, I just praise the Lord. The Lord gave me a brand new car. You know what happens in our churches when that happens? Most of us are thinking, I sure wish God would give me a car. Why did God give him a car and not me a car? Folks, let me tell you something. I've never had a car. I've never owned a car. Now, I've driven somebody else's car a time or two, but I've never owned a car myself. And to be honest with you, I've never asked the Lord to give me a car. Maybe that's why I don't have one. But I also thank God for the fact that since I don't have a car, I don't have everything that goes with car ownership. 
For example, I don't have car payments. I don't have car repair bills. I don't have to worry about um, being at fault in a traffic accident. I don't have to worry about being given a speeding ticket. I figure I save a lot of money not having a car. I don't have to buy car insurance. I don't have to buy new tires for my car. I save a bunch of money not having a car. Amen. So when somebody in my church tells me, boy, God gave me a brand new car. You know what my prayer is? I sure hope they'll let me ride in it. <laughs> now, i tell you what. I've got some wonderful people that go to the church I go to. They love to give me a ride to church, and I love for them to give me a ride to church. That's the only way I can get to church. But when we have people in our church that are having a good time, that are being blessed of the Lord, we ought not be envious. We ought to praise the Lord for what God has blessed them with. It says we're to weep with them that weep. When you're having a hard day, I want to have a hard day with you. I want to be right there by your side. That is the way we should be as Christians. The Bible says in verse 16, Be of the same mind one to another, mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Now, by the way, if you're a pastor of a church, you need to realize you're just as much the pastor of the poorest man in your church as you are the richest man. Now, unfortunately, what pastors are too good at doing, they're very good at catering to the needs of the rich people in the church because they want the rich people to give more and more money to the church. And they don't make a lot of time available for people that are poor People who maybe don't have any money to give to the church. It says, be not wise in your own conceits. Then we come to verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible as much as Lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Now I think as Christians, we ought to go the second mile to be at peace with others. We ought to always be first in line to promote the cause of peace. Now by the way, I don't believe this means peace at all costs. After all, as Christians, we have to take a stand for the Lord. We have to be willing to say, God, if there's something going on in my community that's wrong, help me to take a stand against it. But we should not hesitate to play the role of peacemaker where we can. <clears throat> Paul says in verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. The Bible says, Vengeance is mine. If I have an enemy, you know what I do? I just turn them over to God. Because I know that God is going to do a far better job than I can taking care of them and punishing them. The punishment that God can dish out to them is far greater than I could ever get away with. When you're going through hard times, it might be because of the way you have treated others or the bad attitude you've had towards others. And then we see in verse 20, Therefore, if thine enemy... Is hungry, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. 
For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. I mean, that stuff right there is pretty much self-explanatory. And that brings us to the end of um, Romans chapter 12. Now, by the way, on the next broadcast, we'll get into Romans chapter 13. Now, by all means, if you haven't read chapter 12 yet, go ahead and read chapter 12. And also go ahead and read chapter 13. Our next broadcast will begin with Romans chapter 13 and verse 1. Okay, now I am going to uh, give you the contact information. Um, I have two email addresses. If you have a prayer request, a Bible study question, a praise report, contacting me by email is the most direct way to communicate with me. And I have two email addresses. One is warnlandis at yahoo.com. The other one is warnlandis at gmail.com. <clears throat> and uh, I can also be contacted by way of snail mail. That's the old-fashioned way. My snail mail address is warnlandis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, <clears throat> apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. Now, like I say, I would thoroughly enjoy hearing from you. I want to assure you that I read every email. I read every letter. There's nobody else on staff to do that. I'm the only one on staff, and I don't get paid. I don't get paid a dime for what I do. I do it only for one reason, and that is that I love God and I love you. Well, until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.